Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene, art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And welcome to the Culture Corner on this. It was kind of we're in, getting into the hot weather as oh, we just yes. heard from Charlie Dyer. Yeah, kicking into summertime. <laughs> um, so how are you doing, Brian? How are you, how are you staying cool? I'm I'm trying to stay cool by just staying home and trying to read a book under the AC. I've been turning it on, and my and where I'm at, they're like, you know what? We got to replace your AC because that AC is t- is causing our bill to go up. It went yeah. from being a fifty dollar bill to now being two hundred dollars yeah. with that ac and i said you know what two hundred dollars is fine as long as i'm sa- feeling yeah, great yeah. i can <laughs> yeah. the price of comfort is too much yeah it's and then, and then it's that's the way it is for pretty much everybody in the day someday down the road i might get solar don't have it. i mean that's an investment oh, up yes. front you know but then it helps but i don't have it yet but one of these days but yeah the bills go up in the summer and yeah. the, and the desert there's plenty of sun for that absolutely <laughs> absolutely well, we wanted to start out uh, the show today talking about um, a need in the theater community. Um, my buddy, Robbie Wayne, who is fabulous, she, he is just an ama- very talented performer in and of himself, singer, actor, he's a director, producer, he runs uh, Desert Rose Playhouse, and of course they have moved, and they're now taking over the old Zelda's building in Palm Springs, and they've been just busting their buns, he and Matthew and some volunteers, totally remodeling the whole place, new lighting, plumbing, all of that stuff, and they need some help. They had started a GoFundMe campaign, uh, it's kind of off to a slow start, they've raised less than $3,000 at this point, but they have $15,000 of plumbing, electrical and contractor work that has to be completed to pass the final inspection next week and they want to of course open their first show uh on on time so they're asking for uh, volunteers to come help paint hammer organize whatever uh, also donations and also people to buy tickets uh their first show is um let me scroll down here the miss firecracker contest and they need to get rolling on ticket sales so if you can help if you can donate, if you can buy tickets for tickets or to donate, you can go to DesertRosePlayhouse.org. And there's a GoFundMe campaign, which is GoFundMe.com slash DesertRosePlayhouse. But if you have, if, if you love theater, if you love Robbie, a lot of people do. If you've seen anything at the Desert Rose in the past few seasons, you know they put on really great stuff. And we want to help them. And the, what they've done, I've seen the so far what they've done at the theater, and it's just amazing. It's a beautiful space gorgeous space really big and they're going to do some great shows there but they need some help so we're asking for help and i actually am on the desert rose playhouse reopening project um gofundme again it's gofundme.com slash f slash desert rose playhouse and right now they're currently at 1680 i hope they don't mind that i state the actual numbers they need thirty thousand dollars so they still have they still need a long way to go a long way to go and i think that if you can donate just a tiny amount the anything more peop- would help the yeah. more people donate and if you're somebody that hey if you're somebody that wants to invest in a great theater company this is a great place to do it because the fact is that they always put on great shows and even though their shows are always very like i'm gonna i'm gonna say this in a way that may sound problematic but like they always put on shows with like what uh, their production is always like and i don't know how to put it like their production work is not 
super flamboyant or big, but there's not always like the Macallum, giant, Macallum. giant, giant, giant. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean this in the most positive way that they always put in 100 percent. Yeah. Of the work in I mean, there. they do usually do intimate shows. Well, the space they were in there before sh- is smaller. This is a much bigger space where they are now, much bigger. And they have a bigger stage. And by the way, I believe that they are also uh, planning to, um, from time to time, I- interspersed when it doesn't mess up their schedule, rent out the space for other productions, you know, short one-time oh, yes. things. So this is going to help everyone in the theater community, other theater companies, for cabaret people, singers. I mean, this is a space that's amazing. You might want to go, even go check it out. If you're somebody that's thinking about maybe investing and put, giving a chunk of money, I'm sure if you went on the website and contacted Robbie, he'd be happy to give you a tour because it's gorgeous. And I think what I like about it is that what I've always loved about the Desert Rose Playhouse is always the importance of the projects they tackle. They always have really intelligent Touch on projects. Touch important issues, yeah. And mm-hmm. even if it's just two guys on stage with a table, and that's what I meant earlier, was even if it's something small like that, that's what I meant to it say. It can still be powerful theater. Powerful theater. You don't theater. have to have big production numbers of 20 people in the cast. Yeah, yeah. and even then they can pull that off too. The, mm-hmm. the thing is, like, even their smaller productions, if it's just someone sitting at a couch talking, it's always so impactful and powerful because uh, Robbie Wayne um, and whoever else directs this is is always in putting in so much work and getting the best performances out of their actors. Mm-hmm. And it always feels very intimate. Like yes. I've, I'm always in awe of theater productions where the actors have a full body performance but they're not yelling at the mm-hmm. a- at the mm-hmm. audience mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. actually have people there and it feels real and i've seen the pictures right here i don't and uh, I th- this is how oh, it yeah. looks like, Bonnie. It's it's um, it's amazing. It's a large space, really large space. I, I see it right here, and it's impressive how they took that nightclub because that nightclub it wasn't bad to begin with, but this is an they have really stepped it up several steps. Yeah, and there's like a bar and like oh, it lots of seating, seating and just r- real a, lo- a lobby. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's an amazing space. And I'm, you know what? I'm actually really excited to see this completed and fully done. And I think that if you're somebody that can't raise money, volunteer work go is volunteer, important. Go volunteer, go paint, go hammer, go organize the dressing rooms. I mean, they need everything at this point. And again, and they've been working like, you know, 18, 20 hour days, seven days a week, just uh, Robbie and Ma- Matthew's partner and several uh, volunteers, and they need help. They need bodies, they need sweat equity, they need people to buy tickets, and they need donations. And this is just going to be an amazing addition to the theater community here in the desert. So please, whatever you can do to help them out, we want to see them keep rolling, get the place finished, and open up their season. And just for anybody who's investing, just because I think you might want to hear this, before the pandemic hit, the Desert Rose Playhouse was at its most successful season mm-hmm. according to the um actual GoFundMe, they had they o- over the course of eight years this is their most su- they w- it was the most successful it's been season growing and growing and growing it's yeah been getting better and better and it's true because like six years ago i went to go see a show and it was you know it was it was it was almost full the theater but mm-hmm. then the next time i wanted to see a show it was sold out and yeah. then i had to go and catch a show early on super early to get it yeah and so i think it's wonderful that they were going up and up and up mm-hmm. and the fact is that the pandemic hit and i think that if you're an investor you know if you have if you've been if you've been lucky enough to have a lot of money during the pandemic i think it wouldn't hurt to invest in small businesses or bi- or community theater that mm-hmm. needs it and you never know because you might 
uh, and from the way it sounds, you're going to benefit from all those riches, you know, all those treasures. So I definitely encourage you that, again, if you are an investor, go invest in this uh, production. And hey, even if you're not an investor, donate, donate, well, donate volunteer. $50, whatever, or go paint. And by the way, um, uh, I, I, of course, I one of my other hats that I wear is I write, write theater reviews for Desert uh, CV Independent, which of course haven't been doing for a year or so. But I've reviewed a number of things at Desert Rose and just almost always phenomenal, phenomenal uh, quality shows that they do. And the other thing is about investing. You know, we've all been through, when we're coming out now, we're coming out of the pandemic. It's not totally over, but we're doing... People need theater. People need entertainment. They need to laugh and cry and have their their hearts touched and and uh, their imaginations expanded and think about something else besides cold car cold hard <laughs> reality, which we've been doing. You know, we need theater. We need this. No, and I agree with you. I think that. You know, we always hear about theater productions or movies or any form of art being called unessential. But then when Not it's true. but then when it's over and done with, when you're sad about what happened and you have to like escape from the world, you you go to the theater anyways. Yeah. It is essential. It's essential to our culture because a lot of the plays that especially Desert Rose Playhouse puts on they speak about our community and our Their world. Their human condition. That's what theater is all about. Is, yes. Is how we all are connected and we all are more similar than we are dissimilar. And just, you know, to, to go take your, again, take your imagination on a journey somewhere else for two hours, however long it is, and come out uplifted, touched. We need that now. You know, one of the productions I saw at the Desert Rose Playhouse that I really liked was that, and I say this, I'm not sure how big some of these shows are. I think they're mostly like sh a lot of them are shows written by local writers. So that's another bonus, too, mm -hmm. is you see a lot of local mm -hmm. talent flourishing. Mm -hmm. I saw this show about it, it was a take on a Christmas carol, but it dealt with like gay men's issues. Mm -hmm. It dealt with like issues of like overcoming trauma from HIV because mm -hmm. they took the Tiny Tim character from the comic with from the, I was going to say the book not the comic mm -hmm. even though there is a comic out there yeah. the book and they made him into a much more developed and better character this time Tiny Tim was um an older man who had HIV and when I watched it I thought you know what that is a really great way of taking updating stories and changing them up for a different audience because I think that the Desert Rose Playhouse, you know, they tackle a lot of LGBT issues. Mm -hmm. And I think it's yep. important to do that. And I like the fact that their shows always feel relevant and meaningful. And I like that they were one of the very few production companies that I saw that actually did not just gay men's issues, but they talked about lesbian women, mm -hmm. trans women. And I thought, you know what? I see all these bigger uh, all these other production companies that are that lgbt don't, that issues, don't really get into that yeah they don't get into lesbian yeah. women and i think that it was it's impactful that they want to write and tell these stories and i think that in my opinion theater benefits a lot from not only just the big broadway productions like but smaller also things too yeah. smaller things Absolutely. and and stories about like you said the human condition and the fact is that the, I think the Desert Rose Playhouse exactly benefits from that, the human condition. So if yeah. you want to, so again, donate. I know that we've said that a lot during this segment, but I think that if you really want to save a production company and help them out throughout the pandemic, 
you know, you're, I'm going to say this. If the Desert Rose Playhouse it does not complete itself, I, I would be very disappointed, and I think that we would It'd lose be a out. huge, huge loss for the community. And again, this space, this space, uh, about, they are going to, from time to time, run it out to, uh, to other people for other kinds of sh- productions. So it's not just about them, Robbie Wayne. This, this space is beautiful, and it's really going to help the desert. So if you can help, please do. Robbie needs your help, and the theater community does. Too. And also, they ha- they have the sh- they have shows on sale, right? Uh, yeah, tickets are on ticket sale, sale now okay. for their season. Yes, you oh. can go again. Go on their website, uh, DesertRosePlayhouse.org for tickets or to donate. Uh, and again, the GoFundMe.com slash DesertRosePlayhouse. Um, go on there and offer to volunteer. They they really need your help. And it's a I mean, Robbie really has done so much for the theater community. He's such a great guy. You know, they're working their buns off, and they need our help. And just to say this, like there's a couple of shows that they have coming up are the An Evening of Comedy with Jason Stewart, A Night on Broadway, the Miss Firecracker Contest, and the Great American Trailer Park Musical. And Xanadu. They yeah. have Xanadu Some coming up. Some great stuff coming up. So please, please, please help how we can. Go paint. Go nail. Donate. Buy some tickets. And they're bringing back Christmas with the Crawfords. Fabulous so shows. The, Fabulous. I got to see that. So you know what? Don't deprive me of that. I got to see that again. <laughs> go, Robbie. All right. Let's well, go ahead and come back to this show on, on the Culture Corner. I don't know. I forget the name of our Culture show for Corner, a second. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back in just a bit. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. Hey, so last week we talked about Shanae O'Connor. So she's back in the news. <laughs> she's back in the news. And no, it's not because she ripped the picture of a very prominent religious mm-hmm. figure, even though in hindsight, maybe that wasn't as shocking. Any, it's not as shocking anymore, funny, no. believe it or not. No. But Shanae O'Connor, she released a book and she had all these details about the trauma she went through, which is her mother basically had like a torture chamber, her, her bad night with Prince, where Prince essentially almost uh, i almost want to say might have tried to kill her or harass her or mm-hmm. hurt her it was a terrible night but she's had a lot of experiences including her career going down the drain after her snl incident mm-hmm. but after all that she writes a book where she recounts all these traumatic experiences and so you have to go out and press to her right you have to go yep. and talk sell about the book. it yep sell the book so after a while shanae o'connor did announce her retirement last week so uh I think basically uh, June 7th, which was actually this Monday. This Monday, she actually talked about how she was tired. She no longer felt like she could peak anymore. Her statement was basically, I've gotten older and I'm tired. So it's time for me to hang up my nipple tassels, (laughs) having truly given them all. NVDA, which is the last album in 2021. will be my last release and there'll be no more touring or promo it's not sad news it's staggeringly beautiful news a wise warrior knows when he or she should retreat hashtag me time it's been a 40 year journey 
time to put the feet up and make other dreams come true. And then she had a winking face. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, no, nothing so far. But then she retracted her retirement. Was that statement. a couple, day, couple days after that? that like essentially the next day, okay. there was news about it. But then now it's actually, it's even made it to like CNN and Fox News that mm-hmm. she is actually retracting that. So originally the idea was that she was going to retire from touring and from producing any more music but now she said that basically she she's basically gonna go back to touring and that she's gonna probably record some more music because she had a knee-jerk reaction in her views that's her exact words to the way the be- she was being asked questions on the press tour she felt like you know maybe it wasn't a good idea to go on a press tour and talk about my traumatic experiences because that's what she said that she said that the people asking questions were not sensitive to her needs and that they were trying to sort of pry for trauma like i've had enough so i'm just gonna retire yeah and then she thought better that (laughs) and that's true that's exactly what happened was that she just felt like you know what if you're gonna do this to me i laid it out for you don't try to traumatize me again mm-hmm. but what happened was that of all the shows she critiqued was the women's hour which was a bbc radio network show and she basically said that on the show they went out of their way to discuss a article and that called her the crazy woman in the pop addict and she mm-hmm. felt like the article had really dug into her and that she also felt that it was very inappropriate for the host, Emma Barnett, to constantly ask her about her four children with four different men. Mm-hmm. And she felt that, you know, our, and she that she felt that just because you were talking about her mental health doesn't mean that you're doing a great job at it. Yeah. And there's a way to there's a way to talk about those kinds of things and be sensitive. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. And there's also a thing where she actually said not to I'm not I'm going to take out some of the cuss words, but mm-hmm. she said Shanae O'Connor said because it basically said of all the blank you could have gotten off you uh, Google you brought up the mad woman in the attic scenario yeah. instead of questions about the songs, which yeah. I thought, you know yeah. what? That's a pretty fair criticism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Like, how do you think, like, if an artist writes a book, like, let's say if you wrote a book and you detailed some personal things, how would you want them to ask you, for example, because you're a singer? You know, th- that's a great question. I was just thinking about that. Uh, what the word I would use sounds like that she, what happened was they ambushed her. It sounds like what the, they yeah, ambushed her in the interview, and I think that's. I mean, I've been interviewing people for years and years and years. That's not cool. I mean, that's not the way to do it. What, you know, when I have, and I've had people on the show occasionally with some sort of sensitive issues, not that to that extent. And, you know, what I usually do, if I can find an, an advance, if they're okay talking with it, great. If, if you can't for whatever reason, then I would, you know, ask, say, you know, can we, t- can we talk about X, Y, Z? You know, and if they say, well, then, then they don't. Or, or, or even if you do, you, you try to be as sensitive. I mean, it's just like imagine that you're talking to a friend or someone you care about who, you know, has come to you with some issue. I want to talk about this. Okay. You know, I understand. You know, there's a way to do it with some compassion and some humanity. And I also believe if you are lucky enough to get to interview someone like Shanae O'Connor, 
you probably shouldn't go and go and waste your time trying to pry her yeah. for information especially considering that i think that the interview should focus a lot on her work but also just to be honest with you like try to promote try to help her get the book promoted because i yeah. feel like you could i always feel like people get kind of weird out when i when i've brought in guests myself that i even ask like you know are you okay with talking about the subject yeah and a lot of my friends that have done interviews themselves are like, why do you ask? And I say, well, why wouldn't but you? Is that not normal? If they're a guest. <laughs> they're called a guest, <laughs> not a victim, you know? So I, I try to be considerate. And yes. I think that sh someone like Shanae O'Connor, she put her entire life in a book. The least we can do is try to be delicate about exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Go, Shanae. <laughs> but hey, we're going to have a guest coming on. Jerome, Jerome Elliott. Elliot. Yay. Just a bit. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we are back on the Culture Corner. We're now joined by my buddy, Jerome Elliott. He's a wonderful performer, cabaret performer, singer, also director and uh, producer over at uh, uh, Devs Ensemble Theater Company. And he's got a big show tonight. Hey, Jerome, how are you? Hi, Bonnie. How are you? I'm good. I'm here at the club with Siobhan and Jackie Davis and at Runway, and we're rehearsing. Yay! So are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you yes. both? I am. We're, no, we're excited. It's the first time Siobhan and I in all these years have gotten to perform together, mm -hmm. which is just, I can't believe it's been this so long because we've each been performing in the desert for 15 years easily. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was meant to be together so, again for the first time. Yeah. So it's called Opposites Attract. So give, t give us a little feel of, of what the show's about. Well... Um, Siobhan and I are definitely polar opposites. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I come across rather uh, shy and dry and reserved on stage. And mm -hmm. Siobhan is um, just a little spitfire of energy and this huge voice and this huge personality. And yes, she's she is. And sexy. And uh, we play off of each other really well. Mm -hmm. um, so people are going to get a little bit of sweet and a little bit of savory in this show. And so how did you how did you go about picking picking your songs, the songs that you were going to do? Because obviously you, I'm sure, have a wide rep repertoire of stuff. Well, we decided it would be great if I concentrated on the American Songbook um, and Broadway because mm -hmm. those are kind of in my wheelhouse. And mm -hmm. Siobhan is, uh, she's doing some Broadway. For example, she's doing Funny Honey from uh, mm -hmm. Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I'm following her with Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. But she's, She's veering more towards blues right. and uh, pop and rock. So together, the audiences will get um, a constantly changing evening of moods. Yeah. So I know you you have particularly, of, of all the people I know, you, you really specialize in cabaret, and you've done a number of these cabaret uh, 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 classes, courses, uh, workshops all over the country, and I think even out of the country. So tell me how how... How it, what how are you different as a cabaret performer than you were say ten years ago before you did some of those you know learned some of those new things? 
very much different. Um, I've learned sort of to get out of my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that the most important thing in a song is not how your voice sounds, although it really helps to have a, a yeah. pleasant sounding voice, mm-hmm. but to com- communicate the lyrics of the song to the audience and to to kind of live it. Um, I don't know if you saw this week, there was a young lady from uh, Ohio on America's Got Talent. I did. She, had ri- the she one- wrote her own song. Yes. She had cancer. Yes. And she was so beautifully inhabiting that song. She was mm-hmm. just kind of living her own reality, her own truth in that song. And that's what made it. Yeah. And she sang beautifully. Yeah. But that's not the thing you notice the most. You just notice the complete uh, the completeness of her presentation. So that's what I that's what I aim for. I want to get to know the song. I want to get to know how I relate to those lyrics. Uh, often I work with an arranger to um, give the song a little bit of different flavor than mm. you usually hear it, and uh, to make it my own. So that's that's how I've changed as a cabaret performer. And and how you've often I mean you've done a lot of solo cabaret shows, but you've done uh, some with uh, with other people too. Tell me about the um, what you what you do differently, how you approach it differently when you have someone else on stage with you in a cabaret show. Well, I. Um, if it's one that I'm directing and performing in, which I do annually for my theater company, I do try to get them to pay attention to those tenets of, you know, really know what you're singing about, what you're singing to. But I also understand that everybody comes to the table with different training and different experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm more, I'm more likely to say, yeah, that sounds pretty good. It, I, if there's something that I think can be, improved upon or adjusted if I think for example someone's doing a power ballad and they're starting at 11 o'clock they, they don't have any place, place to, to go, go. right right I want to bring them back to start, start maybe at one o'clock and then mm-hmm. rise a little bit and then fall a little bit again and then right near the end of the song that's where you can let it go yeah and Not you everything has to be proclaimed right. <laughs> so loudly. Exactly, exactly. And you um, you're, you two are joined on the piano, and I know she sings a bit too. She's fabulous. It's Jackie Davis. So what a great trio. Yep. So tell me about working with Jackie. Jackie is wonderful. Um, she is a rock-solid pianist, and um, I've had uh, several uh, rehearsals with her, uh, myself, for my solo numbers. Siobhan and I have had a couple for our uh, duets, and mm-hmm. actually that's what we're, we haven't Today, we're really polishing up the, the three duets because mm-hmm. those are the three numbers that we didn't quite get to bring to uh, their fulfillment. But we just did them, and they sound great. So i um, really excited about that. And, and Jackie's going to sing a little bit, too? Jackie is going to sing, and Jackie is, is a powerhouse vocalist. Yes, and she, she is. Will, I know she was here uh, last week or the week before in one of Siobhan's shows. She played and she sang a song and she brought the house down. Mm -hmm. She had, there were producers from other producing organizations in the desert in the audience and she um, had offers from them. Wow, wow. She's an incredible talent. Wow. That's really nice. So, um, uh, do you get, I always like to ask uh, performers, particularly singers, since I am a singer and I know so many of them, do you have any pre-show rituals that you go through before any performance? Um, I shave. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Uh, I I mean, I really, I take uh, a couple of hours just to make sure that I, 
of course, look presentable, obviously. Mm-hmm. I uh, try not to think too much about the show because the show is there and you can't do anything about it except go and perform it. Mm-hmm. I try, I really kind of enjoy getting ready for a show. It's like, well, this is exciting. Look at what I get to do. Um, I never thought that I would have these opportunities to do this, and the desert has been very nice to me in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I try to concentrate on the, the positivity of it. And uh, sometimes, you know, like if I'm feeling a little low, if my throat feels a little funky, I'll have some matzo ball soup <laughs> before a show to just kind of clear things out. And is that, um, is that, I, does that seem that really work for you? Oh, gosh, I've used that remedy. I've gone on stage um, in musicals in the Valley where I was so sick and I had to perform. And yes, a good dose of chicken soup okay. before you go on just really... I don't, I don't know if it really does anything, but it feels like it does something. You know, even if it's a placebo, that's okay, as long as it works. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about um, uh, patter. I mean, it's easier when you have another person on stage, but when you do a cabaret show, I mean, part of a cabaret show, and I'm, you've said this, is is let the audience, hopefully when that it's over, the audience gets has knows you a little bit better than they did when they came in. So patter is important, too. You don't just do sing a song and sing a song and sing a song and never talk to the audience. So tell me about how you approach that well i approach it from a personal point of view i try to look at something in my life that can relate to the song i never go this is a song by george gershwin that he wrote in 1934 with his brother ira because that's just like an encyclopedia everybody knows that yeah yeah everybody knows that so i'll look at the song if i know an anecdote about Mm -hmm. how the song came to be i'll share that with the audience or if there's something in my own life that i can share with the audience that comes from the song i will um go with that um i love to think about stories and um i love storytelling so i'll always talk to the audience before i sing a song and um i partially memorize it but i leave enough room for improvisation if something strikes me in the moment okay all right i want to get the 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 details in so the show is opposites attract with siobhan velarde and of course jackie davis tonight at runway which by the way if you haven't been there it's a wonderful little club it's basically behind the revival shopping center on in cathedral city you kind of go past that big shopping center up and behind it's a wonderful little club and uh tell us about uh ticket sales and prices and all that uh tickets are twenty dollars for inside and uh fifteen dollars for the patio i understand we're pretty full tonight there's a couple seats remaining so if people want to come they should uh definitely go to uh www.runwayccbc.com okay and you'll see uh, a, a link to our show there that'll take you to the ticket sales site Excellent. And it's a lovely little place, and the, the service is great. Eric, the gentleman that runs it, is fabulous. The staff is fabulous. The food is really good. It's very reasonably priced. Um, so I, I think, you, unfortunately, I, I, I had a commitment. I can't make it tonight, but I know you guys are going to do this again down the road, so I'll come we see hope it. To. This is something that we, we've built yeah. that we hope to you know repeat, just like you did a show yeah. with Siobhan yeah. recently. And Siobhan, as you know, <laughs> Siobhan... Uh, you know, you j- sometimes you never know what Siobhan is going to do. Uh, and, and, that's and, right. And, but, that, but that's what keeps it fun. She is just a powerhouse. She's fabulous. And Jackie yeah. Davis is fabulous. You All three of you, I'm sure it's going to be a dynamite show. Well, listen, Jerome, break a leg. Congratulations. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank know, you for having me on. You're all going to be fabulous. I'll let you go rehearse because I know you guys want to get back to it. But give, give my love to both of them and break a leg tonight. 
I will. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Excellent. Jerome Elliott, the show is called Opposites Attract. Uh, I could tell, he was, I could feel that he needed, wanted to get back to the rehearsal. <laughs> um, and that's really important when you're, especially a musical performer, and you, you know, you feel like you're a little under-rehearsed, you want to get back to it. But uh, Brian came to our show, my show, Bosom Buddies with Siobhan. It's just such a lovely, had you been to Runway before? No, I haven't. I've heard that it's pretty good. I've heard a lot about it. The thing I've heard the most about is the fact that it's very hard to find. That's but, you know, it, it, it. It isn't. It isn't. I mean, if you're if you're on 111, let's say you're on 111 and you're going heading towards Palm Springs, and you're in Cathedral City, and it's almost across from sort of the the um, city hall area a little bit. The so, Mary Pickford and then Mary Pickford and all that. On the left is a big shopping center with revivals, huge revivals. You can't miss that. Oh yeah, and it's. And if you go right past that, there's a light for the lo- the road that's right past that shopping center. You go left, and, it's, and then your second left, that's where it's back behind there. So it's. It's not super hard to find, actually. <laughs> I was actually surprised by how easy it was because if I, I just used my GPS and we went in there, and it was, it was there. Like you just you can see it right away because it's not like super tucked away, but it's there. And I love how intimate the space is, yeah. and I also really appreciate like the food and the service. Yeah. And I like the f- the stage. I actually yeah. like the stage, and I think that what I liked about your show with Siobhan was the fact that. It, the stage itself lend itself to have you going into the audience mm-hmm. and actually talk to everybody and interact and I don't know like I just I had a good time I enjoyed myself at runway so I would love to check out some more shows on yeah. there I would go to this show but I actually have a commitment yeah, sadly yeah. so like things and I are starting to happen in town you know and yeah. but I think that if you have the time you got to really go check out this show like again what are the what's the information again so to, well it's tonight they'll be doing it again I'm sure but it's called Opposites Attract Siobhan Velarde Jerome Elliott with Jackie Davis on piano she'll be singing to uh, 7.30 tonight a show starts 7.30 7.30 to 9 but you want to get there early and of course food and drink and by the way the parking lot does fill up fast there are some side streets but parking lot fills up fast so you know if you want to go you want to go early you know get a seat and order your food and your drink before before the show starts but it should be great fun i uh, i've worked with all three of these and they're all three of my buddies siobhan and jerome and jackie davis is fabulous she's an amazing pianist also wonderful singer powerhouse vocalist as jerome said so break a leg guys and if, uh, if you can't make it tonight they'll be back again so check it out all right we'll be back with more on the culture corner in just a bit Listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. So, for those of you who don't remember, so this is one of those stories that requires a bit of backstory. So, for those of you who don't remember, in 1992, there was a scandal, the Woody Allen Mia Farrow scandal. So, that scandal, oh boy. 
that scandal led to accusations of child molestation, uh, and parental it's rights. Still going on. Oh, it never yeah. Never ended, really. Never ended. And I saw that documentary. I finished it, and I think the HBO documentary was good. I do think, if I'm going to be honest, that maybe they missed out on having Woody Allen and Suni Previn's interviews in View, there. At least their viewpoint, their two cents or whatever. Be, yeah. And it's not because I really wanted to hear them. It's just because I feel like you have to have to both make it so balanced, yeah. balanced mm-hmm. and all that. So, so for years and years and years, there's the, been this rumor that Mia Farrow's ex-husband, Frank Sinatra, was the actual father of Ronan Farrow, who is Woody Allen's at this point only biological son because the other children are adopted mm-hmm. so the idea so that's actually the only child that Woody Allen has any if anything any biological say in and so these rumors have uh, have been around and even Mia Farrow has said um, they possibly could have happened I mean he look if you look at the guy if you look at Ronan Farrow and you put a picture of him next to Frank Sinatra I mean come on I mean, and and, so, and someone's trying to tell us that he's Woody Allen's biological son. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. And, you know, and for a while, uh, Frank Sinatra's former manager, who is also his close friend, ha- I think his name is Tony uh, Apresando. I do apologize if I butchered mm, that name. Okay. He's actually started to speak out against that. And he actually talked about how he felt that it was absolutely ridiculous in his opinion he actually shared in, an, in a book that he wrote called Sinatra and Me and the Wee Small Hours that he felt that the speculation itself was just not, it, it, it's, it doesn't even make sense. And he even said that even though he arranged for them to have secret meetings that they apparently happened years afterwards, after like he was born and all that. And that they also said that he, he felt like the conversations, you know, when they did the meetings, that they were just old friends trying to catch up. And he also said that w- uh, that Sinatra actually had health issues that made it difficult for him to father children. You know, okay. All right. All <laughs> you, right. You got okay. opinions. <laughs> I mean, that's what someone like that is supposed to say. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's look at the, let's look, let's just get real for a second. First of all, they used to be married. They were married at, back in the day. Well, so yeah. they already had that, that, it wasn't like they were strangers out of nowhere. They used to be married back in the day. That's number one. Number two, the guy, the kid looks just like, I mean, uh, so seriously, so people, they were trying to say that, that Woody Allen's trying to say that this kid is his biologically his son. Is that, that, is that the story they're giving people? The story was always that Woody, Woody Allen stands very firm that it is his son, you know. And look at Woody Allen <laughs> and look at Ronan Farrow and look at Frank Sinatra. I mean, biology is biology is biology. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then, and then this guy said, "Well, yeah, I raised secret meetings between Sinatra and M- Mia Farrow, but they were just chatting." I mean, if come on, and he might he might have had health issues that made it difficult, made it difficult. Yeah, he wasn't there. Was he there with a video camera at every meeting they had? <laughs> I don't think. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the the other thing is. Who cares? Who cares? Seriously. Yeah. It, what does it matter at this point? What oh, yeah. does it matter? I think that when I look at like a picture of like Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, uh, not Mia Farrow, uh, Ronan Farrow and Frank Sinatra, like it's, I mean, it doesn't hurt I, to see that I it's know. very clear. I mean, please, please. <laughs> and, and I think for me, like the whole, this whole, I feel like at this point, like the manager kind of came in 
a little too late in the conversation uh, you in, my think? Op- in my opinion yeah. <laughs> and I think that I just think it's I wanted to talk about the story because I feel like at some point I wanted to get my sense in, in that and I and I say this in that Frank Sinatra you know he he's dead yeah he's for dead so yeah. like for me if if he really was Ronan Farrell's child it w- as father I mean it would be it's, it's it's a devastation that he never got to meet him and be a proper father to him but the fact is that whether or not you want to accept it or not oh what's that Oh, all right. I was gonna say that the thing would be that would the Woody Allen and Ronan Farrell situation is just an overall toxic fr- relationship. You know, yeah. that's the relationship that unfortunately has the biggest impact on Ronan Farrell. Yeah. And I feel like when I go back and watch that documentary Allen versus Farrell, which I do recommend to people, like if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, it's on HBO Max. Watch mm-hmm. it. I think the saddest thing about that relationship is just the fact that it was this family unit that was really utterly destroyed <laughs> and I and I can't imagine the the years of like resentment and suffering and pain that that family has experienced mm-hmm. together. And that's what I think is the sad truth about it. It's and I feel like a lot of times I'm going to be honest, I feel like a, a part of the conversation about um Frank Sinatra and Ronan Farrow, I feel like in many ways is to try to like take away that extra trauma of Woody Allen being the actual father. Mm-hmm. And I think the conversation they're trying to move it towards, you know, it's not even your real dad. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is even Ronan Farrow states in the interview that even What does he say about it? He says in the interview, he kind of laughs at it. Like the, he laughs at the Frank Sinatra thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, it's hilarious, but you never know. He sort of does it like so that. So he's never really flat out denied it. And he's never flat out denied it, but he's never actually like, uh, he's, it, when he ca- talks about his father, he means Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. And in the interview, he, and I, I'm going to be honest, I'm surprised in the interviews for Woody, uh, for Allen versus Farrell that he's very honest about the good times he had with the family. Like mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Woody Allen took me out to a trip and all that. And I'm sure there were some good times. Of course, there had to be. Yeah. And even Dylan Farrell does that. And the sad thing is that that relationship has always, that relationship and all those relationships are poisoned now. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like the sad thing is that no matter who the father is, it's just their lives have been changed. Mm-hmm. And that they they will never live entirely healthy lives. They can live healthier lives, and after that documentary, I hope it make them heal and all that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the conversation about who the father is takes away from the greater, sadder conversation about what really happened mm-hmm. and destroyed this family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I agree. I agree. It's it's. I mean, it's sad all all the way around. It's just it's sad for for everybody. I mean, nobody. No one comes out a winner in any of this. I mean, all you can do is kind of move on for it, get some therapy and move on from it. And if it's, you know, stay away from a toxic situation. But again, and I don't think he's ever, he's never like gone after the Frank Sinatra estate or anything no. that I know of. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. So no, no one's ever going to convince <laughs> me that that's Woody Allen's biological son, but whatever. <laughs> and also the Sinatra estate, um, I think what, I think either his daughter or... I think his daughter has said that, you know, she would embrace Ronan Farrell, even if it's not part of the family, even if he's not entirely part of the family, she would still embrace him. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, as long as there's still that sort of, even if there is a minor hint of it, that at least I know that the Sinatra state, they're welcoming. Yeah. And that's important in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. All right. We'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a bit.